Hey, this is Pastor Jeff and this is the JRM Sydney Podcast. We welcome you and we hope that as you listen, you will be blessed, empowered, and enriched. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. God bless you. Well, hello. Good morning, church. Uh, Once again, we are so glad that you have joined us in our online Sunday service uh, although in our hearts we really desire to see each other in person and you know how I miss hugging each one of you, but we know that this, uh, this too shall pass and we will get there. We will get there. Um, today, I just want to bring to you a message. I simply entitled it, uh, Risen Part 2. And if you want to uh, put a subtitle to this message, I just uh, want to call it All Things New. We're going to read a few verses later on, but I just want to Give a shout out first to our technical team. Uh, just an amazing job in uh, allowing us to uh, make this possible. So would you just give them a shout out on the comments section of your uh, Facebook Live and just give them an emoticon of claps and all that. So just an amazing team working uh, their best out to give us this platform and for us to be able to still connect online. So amazing. Thank you so much, uh, technical team. Also. Uh, shout out to all the amazing parents. Uh, I know that you are homeschooling your children right now, and it's ex- an extra challenge because you know you're working from home, or some of you probably are not very good at teaching your kids, and you feel like you're 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 failing in a sense. Don't beat yourself up. You're doing a great job, and I'm very sure that your children are appreciating what you are doing. You are real life heroes. So uh, just keep on keeping on. Uh, it's just an amazing morning to share the word of God today. Also, want to shout out to Charm and Elisa. Would you guys give them a round of applause in your comment section as well? Uh, thank you for leading us in our service today. Now, uh, this is a little bit going to be different because what we're going to do is we want to be as interactive as possible to each and every one of us. So if you will have some insights or questions with regards to our uh, preaching today or maybe last week, anything around the topic of resurrection, I encourage you guys to uh, type your questions into the comments section in our Facebook Live. And later on after the service, I will be answering them, those questions. And if you have a $1 million question, I might do a a video blog this week, uh, particularly just answering that question that you will be posting around the topic of resurrection. Now, we said last week that in the first century, when the resurrection happened, you know, they the disciples did not just talk about the resurrection once every year, just like what we are doing right now. Pretty much their entire life has changed, revolutionized, you know, radically transformed by the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, I think that that really was the jumping board or basically the, the, the reason why the church exists nowadays. So without the resurrection, the cross would not really have any meaning at all. But because Jesus rose from the dead, our master, our Lord, our Savior is alive. Uh, then we can really know that he is alive even until now. He is with us and he is for us. Amen, church. Um, can you open your Bibles into Revelations chapter 21? trying to fix my (laughs) revelations 21 and we will be reading from verses 1 to 7 all right so i'm going to begin reading then i saw are you there now 
Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Would you join me in a short prayer? We proceed to the word of God. Right now, I just want you to pray and gather huddle up as a family. Would you hold the hand of your wife, your kids, and join me in a prayer? Pray for your family right now. Amen. Come on. Jesus. Hallelujah. Pray for every heart of those listening right now, even your own heart. The Lord will captivate us once again and reveal to us wonderful things from his words. Amen. And lastly, pray for me that I may be able to deliver the word of God efficiently and with power. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you. You are present right where we are. And Lord, we know, Lord God, that even though we are apart geographically speaking, you are binding our hearts together as one and we are gathered around you in spirit. Lord, I pray that every word that proceeds out of your mouth will be received by every heart today and let it continue to bring courage and boldness and joy and peace as we continue to live our lives in faith and commit our very lives, Lord God, in serving you and fulfilling your purpose here on earth. We honor you, Father. Have your way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> now, before we break this verse down, I just want to give you a little bit of a context to uh, when and where this uh, uh book has been written. Revelation is one of those books that is dreaded by a lot of preachers to preach on because it's very tricky. It's a lot of uh, sim a lot of symbolisms and a lot of things that we don't really understand. And even the greatest of the Bible scholars today would not be able to fully uh, explain and comprehend the entirety of the book of Revelation. Now, uh, Revelation is written by the Apostle John, one of the disciples of Jesus and dearly beloved by the Lord. And he wrote this as an encouragement to the first century church who were heavily persecuted during that time. And the persecution is not just mocking or taunting them or whatsoever. It actually is uh, lives are being taken in this 
difficult times. Uh, by the end of the first century, the Roman Emperor uh, Domitian, you can search that in Google, D-O-M-I-T-I-A-N. <laughs> uh, the Emperor Domitian uh, was the first emperor to be successful in a widespread uh, persecution of the many Christians during that time. And he is one of the most violent emperors of all. Uh, if you're a Christian during that time, uh, the government basically has a right to take all your properties and basically to take you away and to execute you. And the execution is basically via, uh, through the arena, they throw you into the arena to become a spectacle or a show to all the other citizens around. And what they do is they are being fed to wild beasts like lions during that time and this includes not just men but women and children if you're not uh, found into the arenas you will be uh, impaled on stakes and you will be lit on fire uh, across the streets during that time you are made as a living human torch and that's just a horrible scene to think of and that's not just of tens of people but hundreds and even thousands of christians that are being murdered at this time so a lot of people are uh, already beginning to lose hope and the book of revelations and particularly that passage that we read in revelations chapter 21 was given by the encouragement to the suffering christians at this time now let's bear in mind that the book of revelation was written post resurrection now we might have a think about it you know if, if jesus is really alive and if he's really powerful then why are all these sufferings happening during the, to the Christians during that time? That's a really valid question and we will discuss that further today. But one of the things that we will find in the many writings of the, the apostles in the letters in the New Testament is that Jesus' resurrection was pertained to as the first fruit, you know, the first fruit among the brethren. And for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20 to 22 it says here but christ has indeed been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep for since death came through a man the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man for as in adam all die so in christ all will be made alive now the people suffering the persecutions during that time held on to a living hope in the presence of their sufferings, what they held on to was the promise of the resurrection that Jesus himself has uh, basically manifested and modeled to them all. Now, the first fruit means it is the first batch or, the you know, when we talk about the crops, the first fruit of the crops, it's the first batch of harvest. It is the first installment which means that that is the beginning of many other resurrections that will take place afterwards now the first installment of what so basically death to life and that's not just talking about our salvation as individuals it is so much bigger than that with this message that we are going to talk about today i just want to deliver to you three things about the living hope that we receive via the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The first one is that I will explain to you a little bit of the nature of our living hope. And the second one is the need of this living hope. Now, we are living in times where people are 
somehow losing hope and some people are actually really trying to grapple for a sense of hope in this difficult season we are um, in. And we need this living hope, especially right now. And I would like to share to you a little bit of that later on. And the third one is the now of our living hope. Did you get that? So the nature of our living hope, the need of this living hope, and the now of our living hope. When we talk about the resurrection, we normally think that, you know, when when we tell the story of the Easter, when Jesus rose again from the dead, we think that it's the ending of the story of Jesus, right? So he was born in a manger, and then he became a boy, and then he grew up, and then he entered into the public ministry, was baptized into water, and then he went on performing miracles and uh, teaching in the synagogues, and then he was caught, he was betrayed, he was crucified on the cross, and then he was buried on the grave, and then after three days, he rose again, the end, right? But the resurrection is not really the ending. The resurrection is really just the beginning of the new things that God is going to do to accomplish what he had planned for even before the world began. Now let's read on again in that passage in Revelation chapter 1, uh, chapter 21. In verse 1, it says there, you know, John receives a vision. And something that you have to take note of when we read the book of Revelation, the imageries and the symbols that are being pertained there are not literal in meaning. Now, if we will be careful about this, there are so, the, the book of Revelation is very rich in contextual meaning. And what that means uh, is that there are symbols there that we can only understand when we understand the culture and the social context of the Jews during that time. And let's have a look, for example, in verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Now look at that. If you read that verse, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first, uh, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. What comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Can you share in the comments here? <laughs> Which page in the Bible reminds you of this passage? Come on. Comment, comment, comment. <laughs> I saw it in, in a new earth. Yeah? You're right. You're right. So you will be reminded of the first page of the Bible. It's the creation account, right? In the beginning, in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, when God created the heavens and the earth, it was perfect. It was very good, he said. And because sin entered the world, the sting of death has an impact on the created order. And all that was created that was perfect before was dragged into death and all its effects onto the earth. That's why the world that we live in right now is dying and everything goes to death. And that's just the result of the sin that has entered the world. Now, look at that very interesting part there in verse 1 of Revelation 21. I saw 
a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. So the first heaven and the first earth, that was the earth and the heaven that we are in right now. And a new heaven and a new earth is coming, right? And the last verse that says, says, and the sea was no more. There was no longer any sea. <laughs> that would be a very interesting world, isn't it? Without any sea. Now, again, just like what I'm saying earlier, you cannot take this literally. All right. So because the surfers and the beach, beach swimmers will be sad if there will no longer be any sea in eternal, you know, eternal life. But what the sea here represents is basically with the Jewish culture, uh, they look at the sea or the ocean as a representation of chaos, of darkness, and of, uh, you know, the out of control evil, you know, when, when, they, when they pertain to the sea, they are talking about chaos, that everything is out of order. And that's what it means there, that the sea was no more. There is no longer any chaos. If you continue reading on that in verse 2, then I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, this holy city is not a literal city. It's not a literal New Jerusalem. But this is the church. This is the people of God, those who have placed their faith unto the Lord. And the kingdom, the, uh, the uh, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, if there is a nature of this living hope, the nature of this living hope is not just pure spiritual, you know. That key word there, coming down, that explains a lot. Now, what we normally think of eternal life is, you know, after we die here on earth, then souls will be rising up into heaven, and then we will be escaping the death and the rottenness of this world but there is a different picture that is being depicted here if you look at that very carefully that word coming down says a lot coming down you know if you will remember jesus teaching the disciples this prayer our father in heaven hallowed be your name what's the next part your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just keep on following me. This will make great sense later on. You know, our living hope is this. You know, if you can remember last week, the resurrection of Jesus, he did not just rise from the dead and he showed himself to be just spirit. He showed himself with flesh and bones, right? Flesh and bones. And that's a wonderful news because the, the hope that we have is not just, you know, we'll be floating in the air, somewhere in the clouds, in eternal life. No, God is making all things new based on this verse. And even this world that is headed towards death and destruction, everything will be made new back to its original state before the fall of man. Now, I don't know if you're comprehending that, but that basically is the signal of Christ's resurrection the resurrection means that god can reverse death and he can bring the dead back to life the resurrection means that you know jesus can turn bad situations around and make good things out of tragedy 
You know, that's the meaning of resurrection. And even this world where we are in, where there is a lot of tragedy, a lot of injustice, a lot of corruption in the world, all of this will be over. This is going to be the old earth, and there will be a new earth that's coming. It is coming. Now, if you will remember, John was writing this to a bunch of churches and people who are suffering the most horrendous persecution you could ever think of. And when John was writing this passage, what he was giving to the people is hope. That what they are experiencing, the death and the mourning and the weeping that they are experiencing will just be a passing thing. Now, it's hard to comprehend, isn't it? In verse 3, it says there, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. This indicates a restored and a healed relationship of man with God. Now, when the fall of man happened, there is brokenness of relationship with man, with God. And when man's relationship fell apart from God, all other relationships fell apart as well. As a result of the falling apart of the human relationship with God, human's relationship with his own self fell apart. And human's relationship with other people, other people around him also fell apart. You know, because of the brokenness. And not just that, our relationship with creation itself, with the environment itself, is broken because of the brokenness of our relationship with God. But this is a promise wherein God says everything that is broken will now become whole, will be made whole. That in this new heaven and new earth, you know, everything that is broken will not be broken anymore. And that's just a wonderful promise that people can hold on to. This is one of my favorite verses in this passage. In verse 4, it says there, <laughs> this is beautiful. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall be their mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Can you imagine that for one moment with me? Everything that is ugly in this world, everything that is painful in this world, everything that is injustice in this world, it will be no more. And that's a promise of the eternal life that God has given us. Who wouldn't want to live in that perfect world? And that's what God has intended from the very beginning, but sin shattered everything. Praise God, he overcame sin and death. Amen? This verse 4 echoes a long-time prophecy from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8 to 9. So the people of the uh, Israel, the Jewish people during that time, will remember this from the pages of the prophet Israel. In verse 8 to 9 of Isaiah 25, it says there, He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. Everyone comment on the page. This is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. 
Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. And this is a promise worth holding on, isn't it? Now, in this world, no one is exempted. No one is exempted. In any season of our life, there will come a point wherein there will be weeping and there will be tears. And that's because we are still on this world. But the promise of God to us is there will come a time where there will be no more weeping, no more tears, no more crying, and no more pain. And that's the reality that Jesus Christ's resurrection has proven. He can reverse every evil thing and turn it into good. You know, thank God that Jesus did not just come on earth to liberate the Jews from the Roman slavery or Roman empire. That he uh, came and died and rose again to liberate all of humanity from slavery to sin and death. And that's what we have. And this is the living hope that our world needs to hear today. Now, let me uh, suggest to you this, uh, this, this, this thought, you know, the way that you live right now is directly influenced by what you hope for in the future. I'll say that again. The way that you live right now is controlled or influenced by what you hope for in the future. Now, if you were earlier that emperor evil execution that has been happening to the Christians during that time is, uh, is, is mind-boggling. You cannot even imagine that. And extra-biblical records, you know, secular historians, writers of chronicles, not Christians, you know, they have indicated in their accounts that all these Christians that are being persecuted while they are being torn by wild beasts and burned on the stake, you know what? there is a resounding echo of their voices singing hymns and praise while they are being burnt alive. During that time, extra-biblical records indicate that there is an echo of the sound of the Christians being martyred, and they are sounds not of pain, not of agony, but sounds of worship, sounds songs, Songs of deliverance. And that was the hope that they were holding on even in the midst of the most painful experiences they are going through. Only Christians who have eternal hope can do that. That's amazing, isn't it? Now, let me just share with you an illustration just to uh, further the point uh, as well. There, there are two men who have been thrown into dungeon and they were sentenced for 10 years. And within that 10 years, they will have to do a hard labor. Now, both of them have their own families. But at the beginning of their 10-year sentence, one of the men found out that his wife and child died because of a deadly disease. And the other man found out that his wife and his child is uh, alive and they are waiting for him. Uh, after the 10-year period, they are looking forward to the day that they will be reunited again. Now, within those 10-year period that they were doing hard labor, who do you think between the two men would have survived that 10-year uh, sentence? The other man who found out that the wife and the child had already died slowly crept into darkness and, you know, in his sadness and in his depression just uh, crept in and eventually died. But the other man, you know, rigorously worked hard within that 10 years and after 10 years has been uh, reunited with his family. You know what? The, living, the hope 
that every person has enables us to go through seasons of trials and testing and suffering. And because that hope is real and because that hope is sure, you know what? Even the most difficult situation in your life, you're able to go through. You know, what if I give you, uh, say, for example, I, I get two volunteers and I give you two sacks of uh, mixed salt and pepper. And then for each of the two volunteers, you know, uh, my, my task is for them to separate the salt and pepper one grain at a time. In the period of three days, they have to separate the grains of the pepper and the salt. And for the first person, I tell him, I'll give you $5,000 if you finish this task. And the other person, I tell him, I'll give you $150,000 if you finish this task. Who among the two <laughs> will be more motivated to go through that painful task of separating the salt and the pepper? I think it's the one who has the bigger amount. It matters what you are hoping for and what you are looking forward to. As you go through a painful season, as you go through a difficult time, it matters what hope you are looking forward to. But people does not believe in this. Many people does not, you know, they say, oh, it's just a fairy tale. It, you know, I don't really believe that there is life after death. And that's just a painful thing to, to live with, you know. Do you believe that when you die, you will just rot? That life in the world is all the happiness that you will ever get? believe that someday the sun will just die. Religion is going to be gone and nobody will remember anything anyone has ever done. Or the alternative future that you can imagine, perhaps you believe that indeed the Bible, what the Bible says is true and what Jesus has promised is true, that there is a new heaven and a new earth waiting for you. And that a judgment day is coming when every evil deed and injustice done in this world will be redressed. And there will be a future of endless joy. It matters what future you believe in. In 1947, Howard Thurman uh, gave a lecture in Harvard University regarding the plight of the Negroes, Negro slaves in that time of slavery. And he wrote this poignant message. He said, the facts make it clear that they sang by faith, so the Negroes sang by faith, did serve to deepen the capacity of endurance and the absorption of suffering. It taught a people how to ride high in life, to look squarely in the face those facts that argue most dramatically against all hope, and to use those facts as raw material out of which they fashioned a hope that the environment with all its cruelty could not crush. This enabled them, their faith enabled them, their hope enabled them to reject annihilation, and to affirm a terrible right to live. The living hope that we have as Christians is needed by the world today. You know what? The news, when you look at it, it's somber. You know, it's, it's very depressing. I think at this point, I've already uh, reached the, the threshold, my mental threshold of absorbing news. And although there are also good news, uh, you know, on every side, but somehow the bad news just keeps on piling up. And uh, in the news, we currently know that there is about 154,000 people who died of coronavirus. And that's depressing, isn't it? But reality check, 
perspective wise, if you come to think of it, 150,000 people die each day. World tells you that. Within a year, there's an average of 54 million people that dies. So last year in 2019, there is about 54 million people that died. And for each day, so yesterday, 150,000 people died. And that's minus the coronavirus. Death is a reality of life. We can just say, oh, 2019, oh, it's a sad year because 54 million died last year. But hey, the news is every year, 54 million people die. And it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say this to be you know, gloomy and all that. But what I'm saying is this life will pass. But there is an eternity waiting for us. And it is an eternity that's not just spiritual. And as we have read in this passage in Revelations 21, it's not, you know, a pie in the sky kind of hope, but it is a feast on a new earth. God was preparing a feast on the new earth. And didn't you hear that when Jesus promised that when he comes back, you know, he's going to leave and he's just going to prepare a place for us. And then when he returns, wow, what a celebration. What a celebration. And that causes us to live each day in the light of this reality. Firstly, that Jesus rose again, he is fully alive. And that secondly, what he promised he will accomplish, that there is a new heaven and a new earth thing for all of us. Now, if you read on in verse 5, this promise is not just, you know, I'll just wait and just live my life here on earth and I'll just wait for that eternal life to happen. No, eternal life begins now. This is the now of our living hope. We are living in the now and the not yet. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have received eternal life. Your eternal life begins not after you die. Your eternal life begins when you have restored, had a restored relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, look at this. In verse 5, it says there, He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. First, I want you to, to, to notice that verse. It says, He is seated on the throne. Right now, he is seated on the throne. He has never lost control yet. He has never lost authority yet. And as far as we know, and as, as far as the scriptures are concerned, God is still seated on the throne. And right now we have a living hope because of that. But secondly, here's the thing. He says, behold, I am making all things new. Catch this very carefully. All things new. He did not say, I am making all new things. Those are two different things, right? So all is new is different from all new things. And what's the importance of this? God is saying here that I am restoring everything and I'm making all things new. What is already existing, he will make new. The difference between that and the other one is that if he says that I will make all new things, it means that everything that is broken, everything that is not working and not functional anymore, he will just get rid of. 
Now, we have that lifestyle right now. Our phone is not working anymore. We'll just ch chuck it, throw it in the bin. We don't need it anymore. And aren't you glad that we, who are recipients of God's grace, we were broken once, our lives were not functional, we were sinners, but God did not get rid of us. What he did was he took us and he made us new. <laughs> there are two Greek words uh, that's be being used when they are using the word new. The first word is neos. Uh, shout out to neo, to onin batino. <laughs> but the first word of new is neos. And that means new in time or young or recent, basically brand new. When you buy a brand new bag, that's neos, a brand new bag. But the word that's being used here in this passage is kainos, K-A-I-N-O-S. No? Kainos means being new in quality or nature. Now, I, don't, I didn't have a good dining table here in the house before, but uh, shout out to our brother, Alan. You know, uh, he, 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 gave, he gave me a dining table. So we picked it up via Facebook market in uh, one of the houses, and it didn't really look new. But when we came here, we, uh, we kind of uh, did the work, woodwork and all that, and then put varnish on the table, and now it actually looks new. Uh, that's kind of the essence here. When God said, I am making all things new, he is saying, I'm not throwing away what I have created. I am taking what I have created that was broken by sin and death, and I'm going to renew that. I'm going to restore that. I'm going to make that new again. And that includes you and me. And that not just you and me, but that includes this world we are in right now. God created not just the spiritual realities. He created material, physical realities. But because of sin and death that has destroyed, including this coronavirus, as a result of sin and death, you know, everything that is broken and not functioning as it's supposed to anymore here on earth, God is going to make all things new. And that's the new heaven and the new earth we're talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Did you see that? Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look onto the things that are seen, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And how is this possible? The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 19-20, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, this is what I want you to understand. It is possible that our inward nature is being renewed day by day. And it is possible that our old nature is gone and the new has come because the Holy Spirit, the power of God, 
who raised Christ from the dead is the one working that inside of us. The same power that conquered the grave lives inside you and me. And this is what the reality is. Everything that is dead, everything that is dying in your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection power of Christ, He can raise back to life again. So what is it, my friend, that is dead and dying in your life? What is it in your life or maybe in your relationships that needs to be made new? You know, God is asking that question to each and every one of us. When in John chapter 11, when Jesus came to the house of Mary, Martha, and that time Lazarus was dead, Mary and Martha said the same thing. If you had come earlier, you have not died. My brother would not have died. And then Jesus wept at the seeing of the grieving of these people. And then when he approached the grave, when he approached the grave of Lazarus, what he commanded was this. He asked the stones to be removed. And only until the stones are removed can Lazarus be raised back to life. What I'm saying is this. God wants you to do the possible so he can start doing the impossible. What are the stones that needs to be removed? What are the stones that he wants you to remove so that he can perform the resurrection in that part of your life where you need him to work? Are you following me? What is your Lazarus? Is that a dead dream? Is that a dying hope? Is that a dying relationship? Is your marriage in very shaky grounds right now? You know, businesses are collapsing because of this global pandemic. What is it that you need God to work on and let his resurrection power continue to make a miracle out of? The Holy Spirit is given for us so that we can experience the regeneration of God in our lives, not just in the aspects of our lives, but our inner man, our inner man. Now, let me just close with that verse in verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. <laughs> he said to me, it is done. That's familiar, isn't it? When Jesus Christ died and hanged on the cross, he said, it is finished. Mission accomplished. It is done. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The name of our God is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. History is his story. He is the author of history. Now, no matter what things are happening in our world right now, God knows it. God's not worried and God's not frantic. He's not panicking. He is the author of history. And all of us who have placed our faith in the Lord just have to relax. God has it in control, right? So let me just tell you that. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He has the last laugh. No, coronavirus does not have a last laugh. Nothing on earth, nothing ever created a heaven or, or on earth, you know, is named as Alpha and Omega. Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. Now, if he is the first, he is priority and takes uh, precedence above everything. And if he is the last, <laughs> guess what the ending is going to be? 
it's going to be a happy ending. Uh, it says there, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Now, if you will remember, it's John who wrote this passage in Revelation. The thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Now, you have to remember John chapter 4 as a reference to this. When Jesus came across the woman in the well, and he said to the woman in the well, I can give you water that when you drink of it, you will never be thirsty again. That's the water reference that is also pertained in verse 6. The thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The water here symbolizes the deepest longings of our hearts that nothing in this world can ever satisfy. Nothing in this world can ever satisfy. No one and nothing in this world. That water symbolizes that. And that's the same scenario with the woman in the well. C.S. Lewis, one of the great, great authors of the past said, you know, if I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. I can only conclude that I was not made for here. I'll say that again. If I find in myself desires, nothing in this world can satisfy. I can only conclude that I, I was not made for here. My friends, you and I, we are not made for here. This is the old order and the new order is coming. New heaven and a new earth. And everything that our hearts has desired for so long, Jesus is able to satisfy. Amen? Amen? And what's great news about this is we have a foretaste of this living water. It's the Holy Spirit that is living inside of us now for those who will believe in Him. You know, we have a foretaste of that. And it is an open invitation to everyone who is watching with us right now in our online service. God wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. He wants you to also experience this living water. And He wants you to be part of this redemption, this eternal living joy and living hope that we have of a new heaven and a new earth. Now, last but not the least, at the cross. Imagine this for one moment. One of the seven last words Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. And this was not a literal thirst, or although you know a sponge of vinegar was given to him. This was not a literal thirst. On the cross, Jesus were was experiencing a cosmic thirst that you and I deserve. And he exchanged his life with ours, so we can have the spring of water without payment. Now, that cosmic thirst is a cosmic hopelessness. In that cross, when God the Father turned His face away from the Son, He was experiencing a cosmic hopelessness. Why? So that you and I will not experience that anymore. You know, the sting of death is real, but the sting of death has hit Jesus on the cross. When we die, we experience the shadow of death and not the sting of death anymore. Now, this, the illustration here is this. There is a father and a son in a car and a bee entered that car. And the son, the little boy, was really scared because the, the bee might sting him. And the father, loving the son, you know, grabbed his hand and captured the bee right, like in, in the palm of his hands. And then as he experienced the sting of the bee in his hand, he released the bee. 
And then the bee was just buzzing around, making the noise. And then the boy said, I'm scared, Dad, I'm scared. And he said, you know, why are you scared? Because the bee might sting me. You know, the bees can only sting once. The father said to the son, my boy, you don't have to be afraid. The bee is just making a sound, but it cannot sting anymore. I already took the sting of it. The father is also saying the same thing with us. Death all around us is just making a sound. But the sting of death has already been taken by Jesus on the cross. Death no longer has a sting. It is just a passageway for us to enter from this old order to the next life. And that eternal life is given to those who will believe. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that you have resurrected from the grave and you have proven yet again, Father. And as we look towards from that day, Lord God, that you have reversed, oh God, the death you have taken and death has power over your people anymore. We honor you, Lord God, and we just thank you, Lord God, for this wonderful day that we can worship you once again in this uh, online service. Would you join us, church? Join our worship team even as we continue to declare the victory of the Lord over sin and death. And it has no power over us anymore. In whatever situation we have in our life, you know, we will continue to see a victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. And we hope that we will have you again in the next one. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance, His smile over you and give you peace. Shalom. God bless you.